0: When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I reasoned like a child. Paul will write to this little group. Years, La Sierra University, 1922. It's around the corner. And I think what impressed me when I began looking at these words, it's how something that Paul can write thousands of years before is still ever so relevant today. How the Spirit somehow is unbound, completely unbound. How I, how the Spirit that lived with that little group can live with us today. I don't know if that ever causes you to be like, ah, but for me, every time that I open this word and I am reminded of the ways in which the Spirit travels and the boundaries which are not the Spirit's boundaries, I'm just humbled I'm humbled when I was a child he will say I know that in part and I prophesy in part do you know I for those of you who are new or this is your first time worshiping at this church Um, This is my church family, so today I speak of something that many were part of years ago, 23 years ago. I'm going way back today to a faith experience that is mine. But I want you to know that I fully recognize that it is one faith experience. I fully recognize that it is mine. It is a single story. Last quarter in spring, when I was with my freshman class, we worked on diversity for a couple of weeks. And we got a chance to hear uh, a TED talk and to read a little bit from Chimamanda Ngozi. And she has this TED talk about the danger of a single story. You know how our our cultural constructs, our, our family systems, our lenses are very singular. It's ours. It's how we understand it. And we make a mistake if we somehow make assumptions that that is the only way of seeing life. She says, you need to be careful. There's never a single story. The story that I'm about to share with you involves another. It's a boy, Um, a boy that I have loved for a very long time. I don't know if his picture is going to show up for a second, but this is the picture that's going to be on the screen is a picture of us in our eighth grade banquet across the street, Sierra Vista Chapel. I don't know if uh, Mrs. Faddeck will remember that event. Uh, There he is, isn't he cute with all that hair? And then um, later on we married uh, a boy who I married, very similar to me as though I thought, but my complete opposite I often talk about. Uh, A boy that didn't need this journey. I say all that to say he didn't need this journey that I had. Um, His faith and his, uh, his dependence on God has always been in a whole different level. It has been an intellectual experience. He has asked questions that I have never asked, and he has dared to look for answers that I've never let, dared to look for. Um, very opposite. This morning I woke up really early trying to get my head together and my mind together. It's been a crazy week across the street, and I'm filling my mind with worship songs. A couple hours later, he wakes up with tuning a tune, and and I don't know what it is, and then he starts to blast his phone. Something good is about to happen, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, the Heritage Singers, who are they? He's like, hey, I want you to know, they were like a pretty big deal. Um, Always my opposite, I love Hallmark, he loves the nature channel, and or National Geographic, or how things are made. But anyway, it's a single story. I'm going to share with you something that I needed to go through, and I recognize that I needed to go through. And uh, he chose to go through it with me, uh, even though it was really hard on him, both uh, physically as well as just, you know, it was a crazy ride. But he's, you know, we're crazy. So anyway. So Paul says this, and I, oh, the other thing that I wanted to add, this is to preface before I begin. The other preface that I wanted to add, which is in my second screen, for those of you that don't know me, I need you to know, because I am a child of this community, because Adventist faith has been part of my DNA from its very beginning, uh, this this is going to be reflective of so much of who I am. And I say that to say this, um, I... I have lived, this morning I was thinking, by the time that I got here to La Sierra at the age of 11, by the time I landed here, I had been part of nine different faith communities, different churches in three different countries, and in the United States in three different states. And so I am a product of a ton of people pouring their lives out on my behalf. I have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of church. The ugly I forgive as I have been forgiven, the bad I learn from, and the good I pass on. And that has been my motto. And if anything that I say today offends you or somehow brings you heartache, please don't embrace it. Forgive it if it was ugly, learn from it if it was bad, and if it's good, grab it and share it because that's what we've got to do with good. I move on, I am a... I'm gonna get right to the story so this is a journey of knowing God of knowing God this is how it began for me when I was a child knowing God meant hearing the stories in Sabbath school right and having all my Sabbath school teachers and parents um, and I would marvel at the heroes and the little felt characters that to me was knowing God when I was a, a child in middle school to know God was a bit more challenging. I don't know why, but somehow God became a bit scary for me during my middle school years. And the more that I would hear about him, the further I began to feel from him. I remember once uh, Dr. Gillespie, now I know all this, but I didn't know this back then. Dr. Gillespie was doing a survey, and he must have asked, for some volunteers. And so here comes this guy and he pulls us out of Bible class and he sits me at the La Sierra Academy at the lunch tables and he's asking this set of questions. And one of the questions he was asking was for me to rank, like, who do you love most? You know, do you have like your family, God, your friends, you know, all these things. Um, and I, I remember he asked the question and all of a sudden I got paralyzed. Because I knew the right answer. I knew what I should say. I needed to say that I love God first and put everything under, right? I, I knew that was the answer. And yet I knew it was a lie. I loved my mom and dad more. I loved my family more. And I remember sitting there and looking at him and he had said, you need to be honest. You know, now I know they're doing a survey. I didn't know any of that. I was like this guy and he's asking me to be honest and, you know, I may be deported if I'm not. And so, I mean, I'm like, I'm sitting there and I've got to tell the truth. And how do I tell him that I don't love God first? You know, I mean, how do I say this? And I remember I just started to cry. And then he looks over at me like, oh, my word, just put it in order. Like, how does, you know? And I was like, I know, I know the right answer is I should love God. but I really, really just love my family. Of course, now I know that's developmental and that's just part of your faith experience. I didn't know that. Um, But I I was wrestling with God. By high school, um, I had, my prayer life had actually even changed. By high school... I I had begun to pray to Jesus. I never had a problem with Jesus. Jesus, I could always love. He was like, everything you do love is Jesus. And so Jesus, I had fallen in love with. He was good. And so I began to pray to Jesus, and I I just stayed away from praying to God because I I really wasn't sure that that was something I, I actually believed in. I kept all of my fears quiet. I didn't really want to publicly even ever say that out loud. And plus, you love Jesus. Like, what is wrong with that? I come to La Sierra University where Jesus is at the center, and of course my love for Jesus grows, my commitment to be like Him are strengthened, And in understanding his love, I begin to release my fears. I graduate from La Sierra. I go teach at Mesa Grande Academy. The sixth grade curriculum is the life and teachings of Jesus. And I'm just like, this is perfect. I'm in love. I fall deeper in love with Jesus. I start my master's program. And uh, I remembered when I was at La Sierra that I had taken a class from Dr. Rick Rice, and I remembered that I really liked it. I don't remember what about it, but I remember I liked it. And so I signed myself up, I looked, and I, I thought, which class should I take? And so there, he was teaching one class, it was Intro to Theology, and I thought, sure. I had no idea what theology was, I just figured he's teaching it, I'm in, right? I walk into my class, the first day of class, and, I was sitting with a bunch of graduate students who are theology majors. I didn't even know what theology was, right? I I'd taken a ton of Bible, but I had never broken it down. And so um, I sit there in this class with Dr. Rice, and all of the all of a sudden he begins to talk about about this God who who is immense, immense. He he is. He's grand. He, he, three hours go by, and I, I'm sitting there going, where have I been? He, you know, every class, every week, you know, he, we would read. I would like spend like 15 hours writing this little short essay, and I would submit the essay, and then he would say, like, I'd get like three out of five, fail. Five out of 10, fail. Um, and uh, he would say, think bigger. And I'm like, I am so totally trying to think bigger. I mean, I have never known this God. I don't even have the language to understand how big this God is. I I remember being so frustrated with myself and so embarrassed. I mean, how can I be in the church and be a person of the church and not even know everything that he was talking about? I remember once I would drive because I, would be, I lived in Loma Linda and I was driving back home one night and I was in tears in the car saying to God, I, I, I'm so embarrassed. I don't know. I don't know what has happened. How, how has all of this been here and I have not even seen it? And I say to God, listen, if you just give me 1% of Dr. Rice's brain, I will, I will never stop talking about you, like I will be your committed servant for the rest of my life, right? And I know you're looking at me here, standing, talking, and you're thinking this is me, very comfortable, but this isn't me, this wasn't me, I, my mom could tell you, I'm the one that you push to the front and you like make her get up, you know? But I. I would hear him speak, and I would hear him talk about God, and I thought, everybody needs to know this. How does people not know this? All of that was happening. And I go on a retreat with this church. I go on a retreat. I don't know if some of you remember. It was Dr. Hyveth Williams who had come. We were in Pine Springs Ranch. And she comes, and she, of course, if you don't know her story, it is a crazy story of, like, coming out of drugs and sex and alcohol, I mean, just like God, snatching her. And it was the tipping point. For somebody like me who grew up with those stories, right? So I don't know about you, but in my church, Wednesday nights and Saturday, the special speakers, they were always these people. These people that had like these crazy encounters with God. And then all of a sudden, they had just had a life-altering experience and God had changed them. And I remember sitting in the pew going, I'm never gonna have that. I'm just not gonna have it, like it's not gonna happen to me, you know? Here, Dr. Hyver says, and she goes through this. I remember walking outside of Pine Springs Ranch. I walked outside, I looked up at the sky, and I said to God, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't wanna play church anymore. I I need to know you like that. Like, I wanna have that kind of relationship with you. What is it? What am I doing? How am I not there with you? And so I said to God, God, I'm going to give you a year. I made a covenant. I said, I give you one more year of my life. I was involved in everything. So you're not talking about somebody who wasn't involved. I was involved in everything. I volunteered for everything. But I, I, I wanted this intimacy that they spoke about, and I, I didn't know how to get it. So I said to him, Okay, God, I, this is it. I, I give you one year. Danny and I had just gotten married a few uh, years prior, so I come down from this mountain-high experience, right? And I come down, and I tell Danny, I said, I have made a covenant with God. This is what it looks like. And he's like, okay. Um, And I said, listen, I told God, you know, the only thing I can give him, we're both working. He would leave at 4 in the morning. I would leave at 6. We get back around 6 p.m. at night. I said, we're both working, so I told God the only time I can really give him is, you know, when we eat dinner at night and we sit in front of the TV for like 7 to like 10 or so, I'm going to give him those three hours. Those are going to be God hours. So I'm going to grab the TV. I'm going to stick it in the closet. And then for one year, I've told God, if something doesn't change, I'm out. He's like, okay. So he, you know, so you need to unplug it. Watch your last show because it's going to be unplugged and it needs to go in the closet. He's like, okay. So, you know, we watch our show. He unplugs the TV. He sticks it in the closet. And so then Monday night comes around, right? And so we have dinner. We sit down after dinner. And so I was like, okay. And he's like, no, no, this is you. Go ahead. So I was like, no problem. Let's begin with the word of prayer. So I start with the word of prayer. Let's sing a hymn together. He's like, okay. Yeah. So we grab the hymnal. I sing four stanzas. Okay. Um, let's open the Bible and let's read from the Word of God. Okay. So we open the Bible. I get some random text. I thought for sure what would happen is like some big thing would happen from heaven. So I read it. You know, the Amorites killed the app, Ab- and I was like, oh. That can't be that one. So let's, let's read another text, you know? You know, we read it. I, I find a text that I know. I interpret it, you know, and this is what it means. And he's like, okay. So, and then, okay, well, let's pray again. Let's kneel down and pray. So we kneel and pray. And I, I promise you, I prayed the longest prayer I could pray for cousins, uncles, aunts, grandparents. We're done. I look at the clock, and it's, Oh. It's been 30 minutes, How? Wait, I gave God three hours. Okay, let's go for a nature walk outside. He's like, it's night. It doesn't matter. God's creatures are out in nature, you know? So we go for a walk outside and you know, he's like, well, and so, isn't Jesus wonderful? Tell me about your day, you know? Tuesday, I ran to the ABC store. I picked up a CD so we could have special music. Um, I picked up a a Mission and story so I could share a mission story. I picked up all these fillers right because what am I doing? How, how did I know how to have a relationship with God? What was it? Who taught me? You guys taught me, right? Church taught me. So I'm thinking, if I need a relationship with God, I just have to play church. I need to have a special music. We stand, we sit, we're there on the couch. I'm telling you, it was Comedy Center for Heaven. They're like, what is happening? We don't know, but they're standing, they're kneeling, you know, but we're gonna have this church experience. (laughs) We kept it up. That's all that I can tell you. It was awkward. It was embarrassing. I'm hoping that it doesn't replay sometime in our future. Um, but we just stuck with it. I had said to God, I'm giving you this time, and I was going to give God this time, and that was that was going to happen. I can't tell you when, and I don't know when, but about three and a half, four months it, into this venture, it was as if scales began to be removed from my eyes. I, I wasn't doing anything... We were just doing this awkward thing, but we were giving God time, and in giving God time and in spending time in His Word, I, I, we began to see different things, and I began to understand different things, and I began to look, and I, I began to see, not with physical eyes, but just with spiritual eyes. So now, now when I'm driving, I'm, I'm looking next to me, and as I'm looking next to me, I see I, I see a woman driving and she's crying and I see her baby in the back seat screaming and and I begin to pray over them and I began to recognize something's happening. And I began to kind of pray over what's happening, God bless them. And I I would be at the grocery store and I would see an elder gentleman struggling to pick up a, a box and, and no and he's all surrounded, but nobody sees him, and I would begin to walk over to work. How can I help you? And my neighbor. <coughs> I didn't even know that there was a little neighbor next to me. And every day around 7 o'clock, he would be outside. You could hear him because there was a little stick that would be on, our, on the fence. And he would be with the stick. So we'd walk outside, and his parents would be fighting miserably inside. And there he was outside. And I, we began to walk out and talk with him. My life changed. I, I began to have this heart for there's so much that's happening and I'm not I haven't been aware I've been consumed with doing the work of God but I've not been consumed with the God of the work and I need to know that God I need to know that God before I know what work I'm supposed to be doing you guys long story short crazy year crazy year so crazy that at the end of that year I wake up one night at about 3 in the morning Danny still calls it indigestion. I really think it's the Holy Spirit. But I wake up at 3 in the morning and I have this brilliant idea. Well, I think it's God's idea. So here's the idea. We're gonna sell everything. We're gonna buy a motor home. We're gonna travel all across the United States and we're gonna tell everybody about God. And I plan it out. I was up for like five hours. All the logistics, I'm an educator. It's all logistics. The strategy of how this was going to happen, the places that we were gonna go, the curriculum, I even created a curriculum that we would be teaching as we stopped. And of course for me, the place that I wanted to stop was at our academies, because that's what I knew. I knew what it was like, my hair is getting in the... I knew what it was like to be saturated with God and yet be completely empty. And so I wanted to go to all of our academies and I wanted to tell them, wait, 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 it starts with you, like you start this relationship. The church can't give it to you, your parents can't give it to you, it is yours, it is yours alone. So when Danny wakes up at around, you know, six or so in the morning, I've got it. And I'm like, so God spoke to me. Let me see the picture of it shows up. The trip was called God's Road Rules. Now, this is why. At that time, those of you that are our age know that there was an MTV. It was like one of the first reality TV shows there was an MTV show called Road Rules, and basically what it meant was a bunch of young adults would get on this RV, they would like party, get drunk, go all over the place, and I thought, oh, God's road rules. Like, what if young adults got on an RV and traveled all throughout the United States and just told people about God, right? I know, it's lame, but it really sounded like a great idea back then. And then we called it Save the Human Race because, of course, I live in California. Every car has a bumper sticker, save the snails, save the whales, save the endangered species. And I thought, no, think bigger. Save the whole human race, like you've got to share Christ. So this was our logo. And so Danny said, okay. Yeah, God's going to have to show me. God, Danny has always said to me, God spoke to Mary and Joseph. So you figure out, and God's going to have to tell me that this is like a God story. So I said, no problem. God's going to do this, right? And I began this thing about... You know, I went to a whole bunch of places. What I call my Gideon moment, right? And I would t- tell people about it. And of course, I got all kinds of like, "That's fanatical. That's crazy. Do you want to go into ministry? Go and get the MDiv. You know, don't sell. You have worked so hard for this. This is the place in life. Maybe you're having like a early, is that what's that? Mid crisis. You're having an early mid crisis crisis. You know, midlife, midlife ESL, midlife crisis. You're having an early midlife crisis. Um, I mean, I got those, but the majority of the people would be like, I think that's good, that's good. This church, I need to go into the trick because my time is gone. This church became the last holdout for me. Danny and I, it was board meeting. So we said, okay, God, we're going to go into board meeting. I thought board meeting, it was a bunch of elders. I thought it was maybe 12 people. You walk into a board meeting, there's 12 people. You tell them your idea, right? So I, I wasn't worried about it. I said, we're going to go into board meeting. Danny said to me, here's the thing that I've told God. We walk into this board meeting, and not one person can have a negative comment. Everybody has to be 100% sold out on this idea. And I was like, sure. I mean, how hard can it be? It's going to be 12 elders are going to love me, you know? Yeah, Dr. Minder, where are you? You remember. I walk into the youth room, and it is packed. And I'm like, it's over. I mean, it was packed. There was a t- I was like, what is this? Oh, like, how is this a board meeting? Like, is this half the church? How did you all show up? I walk in there, and I, uh, I tell them, I really thought it's not gonna happen. I tell them, you know, this idea, the curriculum, everything, I had all the planning that we had done, what Danny and I were thinking of doing, and I think, like, The lions, you know, in Daniel. God was holding the mouths of many. Because I know in their eyes they were like crazy. But nobody said anything. Everybody just kind of said, this is it. Let's pray over you. We're going to send you tapes. You can go on the road. You can hear our sermons. And I was like, that's it. We're gone. Danny was pale. Like, he's like, is this for real? We walk out. We look at each other, this is it, let's go. Start selling, we buy our RV, we take out our savings, and we go on this trip with God. I need you to know I go on this trip with God and I am going on the trip assuming that I am going to somehow save. And I need you to know that when I returned it was I who God saved. It was I. I'm going to tell you three quick stories. One quick picture that's over there. Walla Walla Washington. My first mi- uh, miracle. There's little Nikki. My first miracle. I'm in Walla Walla Academy. I do the week of prayer. I don't. Sit. We. This is La Sierra University was the one who gave us shirts. The shirts paid for our gas. Okay, so that's the money that paid for our gas. Um, the food wherever academy we went to, we would they would give us the food. When I planned this event and I called, I need you to know this. I called. Every school that I called, the week that they had for week of prayer was exactly the week that I was calling because I also needed to save gas. It was exactly the week that we were going to have the week of prayer, except for two out of the 22 academies, 14 states. Amen. When I say I put before God, I mean, I did, except for two, and those two were pivotal in our journey. I don't have time to tell you how. But this is Walla Walla, we started there. I don't say anything, we do the week of prayer, I don't say anything about money, about food, about any of that. But our cupboards are empty, we don't have anything except maybe the very basics. Friday night at around 11 o'clock this group shows up and they had gone to their parents' house. They had emptied all the cupboards. They were like, you guys just started here. You must not have food. They emptied all the cupboards, and they brought us like 11 bags of food, which by the way, because you know veggie meat, lasted us the entire trip and two years after. I mean, we had, we had, God fed us for after, okay? Um, It was our first miracle. Second miracle, I told you about the gas, about those t-shirts and the gas. By the third or fourth school, we would only sell exactly the amount of T-shirts that we would need. If I needed $80 worth of gas, I would sell 80 shirts. If we needed $70 worth of gas, seven shirts. It was always exactly the same. So I forget. We're at Campion. Campion in Colorado. I forget to mention it. Danny says it's Friday. You've not mentioned anything about the T-shirts. And I was like, oh, uh, that's right. Okay, I'll mention it today. We'll see. We had to go all the way to... Um, Texas to, I forgot the name of the academy in Texas, but we were going to head down there. Chisholm Trail, that's right. Danny's looking at me. He remembers. Uh, It's still PS whatever. Anyway, so Chisholm Trail. We go to Chisholm Trail. Um, I forget to say anything. I tell him, okay, I'll mention it. That morning, we're at the cafeteria. We're at the cafeteria eating breakfast, and an elderly gentleman comes in through the door of the cafeteria. The girl points towards us. And um, these, these things that I'm telling you happened all throughout, okay? These, I, I, these are just the ones that I, I have time to tell you. She points over to where we're at. Um, he introduces himself. He says to us, um, I am the local cold porter in this area. I woke up early this morning, and I was praying to God, and he said, you would need this. And he gives us $50. We, he prays over us, he sends us off. The Bible teacher. We sell a couple of shirts. It's not enough, but you know, we think by now we're like, what is God going to do with this? You know, we head down. We're driving, and you saw the back of our motorhome. It says God World Rules, etc. So we're driving, and a big old semi truck uh, comes behind us and starts flashing its lights on us. And so then we go. Um, Danny maybe thinks maybe I'm in the wrong lane, so he moves over and he moves over to the lane and uh the guy comes next and the guy now begins dum, dum, dum. you know he's full-on honking right and so then we look over and he's like <laughs> and we're like oh thank you Jesus yes amen you know uh, you can move that slide amen amen so then um he doesn't stop he goes behind us and he continues to flash his lights and then he you know he's Finally we pull out. It was close to a a gas station. We pull out of the gas station Um, We're parking it really felt like to me like we weren't even stopped Danny says we were stopped, but it felt like we were just when all of a sudden on our door is a big old knock, you know We open the door and this big ginormous guy fully tattooed and pierced from head to toe now this is before you judge me this is this is the 90s, These 90s. I had not seen a lot of this before, okay? So my first thought is, we're gonna die. That's usually my first thought anyway. But I mean, I was like, it's over. He walks into our RV, he's like ginormous, and he says, are you guys Christians? Yes, we are. And he's like, me too. Yes, and so then, he goes on. He, he he goes on to tell us his story. As you can imagine, it is an incredible story. He's telling us about. We were just kind of mesmerized. Um, by the time he's done, you know, we say, "Can we pray over you?" We haven't said anything. Like we didn't have time. Can we pray over you? We pray over him. He's walking out, and he says, "Wait, God's telling me something." He's all, "You guys need something." He grabs his wallet and he gives us ten bucks. The $10 we would need. It was, it was just that close to the next location. It was just like, I have all of these. Tornadoes, I've got tornadoes, none of which I can tell you because it's time, it's under. Okay. Last story, I, we are at Union Springs, New York. We're at Union Springs, New York. Danny wakes up and he's yellow. He's yellow, fluorescent yellow, a non-normal kind of yellow. i like, you look sick. He's like, I feel sick. We, we didn't have a car, we had no transportation. We go into the dean, we tell the dean he needs to be taken to the doctor, that we run him over to the doctor. The doctor says his gallbladder has exploded. He didn't say that, forgive me. I know I've got doctors in the house, but he said something technical that I can't remember. So it exploded. <laughs> Basically, he's, you know, it's all over. He says, you need an emergency surgery. And so, uh, We call my parents, my, you know, we know the whole Bolivar clan is here. We were like, let's just get them over to California. Let's figure out, get them in a ticket, get them to California, they can do the surgery. We don't have health insurance. We don't have any way of paying for this. So we fly them over here. They were not here, actually. They were on vacation. We didn't know. This is pre the cell phone, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we're in San Bernardino, and a doctor does the surgery. It's pretty complicated. He has to stay for about a week, Uh, about, Two days after the surgery, the doctor, a little Korean a woman, comes over to Danny's bed and says to him, um, I just heard what you and your wife have been doing this year, and I need you to know that I've told the hospital this surgery's on me. Wow. Miracle number one. <laughs> Miracle number one. He's there for a week, okay? Miracle number two happens as all miracles happen because this is the thing that we forget. When the body of Christ is connected to Christ, when the body of Christ is listening to God, the body of Christ has the provisions to do what God needs, right? So, miracle number two is that we get a letter in the mail that says, every year, San Bernardino Hospital chooses a charity case. This year, your case was submitted. We didn't submit it. I didn't even know they had a charity case. I didn't even know it was charity. But anyway, I, I, a friend of ours had submitted our name to the San Bernardino Hospital. The letter said, this year, your name has been submitted, your case has been taken, and your uh, hospital bill has been covered. Okay? When I come back from this trip, when I return, I'm landing. When I return from this trip, okay, My life had changed. My relationship with God had changed. I left attempting to save the human race, and I came back being saved. God was no longer the God of my parents, the God of my grandparents. God was my God. I knew him. I knew he was powerful. I knew he was able. And the body of Christ was the body that showed me all of that. And then I couldn't remain silent. My life was so changed that I, I couldn't remain silent. 23 years later, I keep on holding on, and there are three things that I learned in this journey that I want you to take with you. Because this is a conversation about Adventist identity, right? Three things that I learned in this journey. Number one, this this is not a story about people. This is a story about God. And if you're reading it in crater roll style, which is what I call, because I I feel like we left God at crater roll. Like we grow up intellectually, we go into our careers, into our families, and God, we give Him nothing but crater roll. And then we wonder why He's not enough. Could it be that we, His people, we His people, have not known Him fully, as fully as He knows us? So God. God's story I began to read all of these for myself and it was no longer about David or Goliath or any of these people I was looking for God and there he was and there he had been and it changed me and it changed me number two and the biggest paradigm that changed in my life and I'll leave you with this I had always understood I I I had reckon I actually I didn't understand this. I now have come to understand that what I had done with God was I had made theology out of what I knew. Right? So for me, I had made theology out of safety, out of family. I had made theology out of church out of adventism. And I had grabbed big old ginormous God and I had said bless it. And here's how you fit into this puzzle, right? When I went on the road, I left everything. It was a surrendering experience. And this is what I feel the church, every one of us needs to do. It was a surrendering. We love saying thy will be done, but we don't mean thy will be done. We actually mean my will be done and you're invited. But what happens when you say thy will? I trust it. I don't understand it. My church knows. In these 23 years when I got back, my family was deconstructed. My church has been fighting. Death came knocking at the door and took those that I loved. And had I stayed with this, it would have destroyed me. But here's the new construct. I recognize that this is God's world. This is God's working. Yami doesn't ask God, bless Yami's will. Yami walks over to God and says, whatever you are doing, I want to be part of you. I want to be part of your movement. I want to be part of your work. And when i don't understand and when i don't get it i am not going to have a single story limited social constructed idea of what is god i'm going to run over to this big ginormous god that i don't get and i'm going to stand right in the middle and i'm going to say i don't understand it but i trust you and i will walk with you as you have walked with me and church with all that is happening all around us if we the body of christ don't begin to model what it looks like to not create theology out of pain, out of violence, out of anger, out of our childhood, but instead to trust there's something bigger. There's something bigger. And I'm going to trust that whatever the bigger is, he will, he will give me the insight. He will explain it. For my last thought is, we, we talk about God fully knowing us. But I believe we serve a God who longs to be fully known. Yes. And from our very beginning, from Genesis, to Jesus's life, to Adventist beginnings, it all started with people saying, I wanna know you fully, as fully as you know me. Thank you.